1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by SRB Field Rests. Your shotgun, bow, or rifle is an extension of who you are as a hunter. Whether you're hunting snows in a muddy mess of a field, mallards in the marsh, or whitetail from a ground blind, SRB Field Rests has your back. A local Kansas company that provides an easy-to-use, simple, and ergonomically effective solution to just awkwardly holding onto your gun or your bow when you do not need to, allowing you to have more freedom, comfort, and safety in the field. Enter discount code FOULFRONT at checkout for 10% off your order of any SRB field rest today. And, you know, from there you're like, oh, I'll just come just come hunt with me. And I was like, you sure? Because I've got two kids. I don't want it to ruin your hunt. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just come and hunt with me. We'll get you set up. Just take your time. <laughs> like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal. But you're not normal. You know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck. If your first season, you were the guy and you had to figure it out. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Scouting Report and Weekly Podcast Review for September 27th, 2019. This is your guide to the outdoor world of podcasts. Uh, content and conservation news. Hey, I know we kind of change the format up on you each week, it seems, but you just keep giving me good feedback and we will give the people what they want. So back in studio uh, by unpopular demand, we got Scotty Gibson. How are you, Scotty? I was doing well until that rude comment. What, what rude comment? <laughs> unpopular opinion. Wow. Oh, did I say unpopular? My bad. Sorry. I meant popular. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> oh man, Scotty, what uh, what's been going on in your life of hunting? Uh, teal season ended here last weekend, so I haven't been able to do that this week. Um, but uh, starting this weekend, we got our our off weekend, but in between teal and big ducks, so I'm going to be spending tomorrow finishing the wiring on my boat, so that that's ready to go when the 
big duck opener opens up and we start seeing some migrators come through. Then I've got to re-rig some decoys, probably four or five, that uh, lost my weights and also tore my my uh, strings off of in a failed transport attempt behind a in a cart behind a four wheeler. So I got to do that, and then uh, I'm just going to kind of reorganize my garage, make my decoys and all my gear a little more accessible to me. So after I get that stuff done, I'll be able to just uh, hang back and wait for the season to open up here next weekend. The garage thing is huge to me. I feel like I am constantly reorganizing my gear and uh, I just, I don't feel ready for the season unless I've got all that stuff uh, squared away and dressed right. But then, you know, after like two weeks, after like two weekends, it's all haphazard again. And I have to do that like every other week. I feel like I have to reorganize my garage. Yeah, I'm the, I'm pretty much the same way with uh, not so much with duck stuff. So if I'm kind of just getting into it, but just with all my tools and other junk that I keep in there. Yeah. 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 Well, this, uh, this last weekend, you know, we had that front show up on Sunday with kind of a North ish wind, uh, and a little bit of rain to compliment my, uh, I went out anyways on that Sunday. Uh, but my buddy Alex bailed on me last minute and I decided to just, uh, head out anyways. So, uh, I'd scouted that spot Friday morning and found a couple of groups of teal. So I just, set up in a spot that I could hide in and that I felt comfortable with. And that was similar to the type of habitat that I'd been seeing those birds, uh, from the scout, um, frequenting, you know, um, I've been, I've been hearing a lot of drumming lately on the scouting aspect of the hunt and how it's super, super important. Uh, we all know that, uh, to have a great or quality hunt, you must scout. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if you want to shoot a limit every time you go out, that's, that is, you should probably be scouting pretty hard. And I think it's really valuable that people get into scouting and get enjoyment out of it. But sometimes like Sunday, I, I wasn't seeing a lot of birds in the area. The water was super high around here and I'm not crossing large bodies of water in my kayak in that sort of weather. So I found a spot that just looked ducky. Uh, as compared to what these birds, uh, that I did see around there that what they were in. And I just counted on the weather to drive some luck and some birds into the area. And I honestly, I enjoyed my time out there. I had one group come in and work me pretty nice. I took two shots, got four birds, decided to get out of there before the weather got any worse. And sometimes, sometimes it's just nice to get out. Um, even if there's aren't, you know, quote unquote, huntable numbers of birds, uh, limits and lots of action is what we're after here. But uh, I was actually a really enjoyable just going out and knowing that Hey, this might not be a limit day, so I'm just going to get out there and hunt it up. So, Scotty, what's, uh, you know, you've been doing quite a bit of scouting this year, and this is like your first real year of scouting. Um, are, how are you feeling about, you know, the, the whole scouting process and, you know, kind of what it turns into, like quality or not quality hunts? What's, what's kind of your take on that? Uh, well, I mean, the, the first scouted i guess hunt that i did was was a teal hunt that bryce and i did and then actually sent in that little snippet from last week when we were in the marsh and based on scouting that i would have thought that we would have definitely killed ducks and had big numbers of ducks working into us and we did not um i i checked the place out very recently we had been there time before and we'd been there in the evening when we were going to hunt it we saw big numbers flying around us, and that just didn't happen 
the the night that we were there. And I know that there were birds in there still. They just didn't come across us or decoy at all. Uh, so <laughs> that was kind of a bummer. Other than that, I mean, I did a ton of scouting through the summer of just uh, more scouting of the location than than for birds, obviously, because nothing was really there or coming through. And I just I have a number of spots that I have kind of a kind of a list in my head of of places where I could go and feel pretty good about being at least in the right spot on a day where I don't have a chance to scout it the night before. So I guess I'm really not all that worried about scouting wise. I would love to scout night before a hunt, you know, pretty much each time I could do it or day before, but I know that's not going to happen. So I just have kind of a running list in my head where I'll go to this spot if I have been able to scout it and feel pretty good about at least having a shot at seeing some birds. Yeah, man, that's, that's me for sure. I, I don't get skunked a lot. Um, but I don't scout a lot either. Uh, and, and when I say I don't scout a lot either, it's like, I didn't watch those birds, you know, put, put in there the night before or the morning before, and then go target them the next day. I just don't have the, I don't have the time. My schedule doesn't really allow for it. And, uh, I think I just, I choose quality spots that I know that even on a bad day, I'm going to have, you know, one or two groups more than likely, uh, come in and that's just fine by me. Uh, cause you know, there's a lot of times where I don't want to be out uh, in the only morning that I have is like Saturday or a Sunday morning to hunt, uh, just due to work or family stuff. And I, I don't want to really spend it, you know, out in my truck or, you know, scouting. I just want to go out and I want to hunt. And if that's one or two birds, that's fine. If it's, if it's a limit, that's, you know, that's bonus. That's kind of my take on things. And I, and I, I, I just want people to, to realize it's not, you know, it's not always, it's not always about, you know, the quality of the hunt is always not about the bag limit. So, but yeah, so this upcoming weekend, my dad is coming down and my buddy Dave is also coming down. You coming down, Scotty? Uh, not at all. <laughs> uh, we're going to try and get on uh, some deep water teal again out there and some small boats. Uh, so keep you updated on how my season's going. And just to be clear here, the only reason that I give you these stats or that I keep these stats is because I, I find that it helps me remember the hunt. And it's just kind of fun to tinker with and look back and remember, you know, what the weather was like on this day or anyway. So my freelance huntstats.com update for the season. I'm sitting at three individual hunts. Uh, my shooting average skyrocketed this week to 69% with uh, those two doubles that I shot. Um, and for the season total, I'm at 10 blue wing teal, uh, in the bag. So if you want to log your hunts on freelancehuntstats.com, there's a free version, but then there's also like a two or $3 a month one that you can enter like weather and throw filters in there. It's, I think it's pretty fun, but yeah. Anyways, um, shall we get into the conservation issue of the week, Scotty? Yeah, let me have it. All right. So I didn't prep Scott for this one. So everybody just, uh, you know, be prepared here. So speaking the truth, no lies. Uh, the Bureau of Land Management is getting a little uh, bad press. And I think that we need to look into what's going on here and voice our opinions to bring this uh, pretty disturbing political movement against our natural resources to the center of the discussion so that we can try and get ahead of this before we completely screw the whole public access thing up. So. Uh, as many of you know, as we've previously reported on this show, the current administration appointed a pro-oil and gas and anti-public lands slash 
pro private land supporter in William Perry Pendley as the acting director of the BLM. That's the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, by the way, the Bureau of Land Management's mission is to sustain the health, diversity, and productivity of public lands for the use and enjoyment of present and future generations. So take that into consideration with everything that we're about to talk about. And now, again, another pro-gas, oil, and extraction industry champion in Dan Giorgiani has been confirmed as the Department of the Interior Solicitor General. Uh, it's just another supporting effort or, as they would say, political slick move to start filling up the Department of the Interior and the BLM with pro-extraction people in order to leverage for more and better deals in the oil and gas companies to make more money in their private business on your public lands. Now, what's more, as we had discussed a couple episodes ago, the BLM headquarters is relocating from D.C. where it's supposed to be doing its lobbying and fighting for our public lands with the people that have no idea or do not use those public lands. Um, it's now going to be about 1,700 miles away in Grand Junction, Colorado. Its new headquarters address, 760 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado. The other tenants of that building, Chevron's state office, Oxy Energy, Laramie Energy, and West Slope Oil and Gas Association. That's weird, and it should make your conservation spider sense tingle slightly. Uh, it's just a bad look and a completely obvious political and overt lobbying move here. Our public lands are in jeopardy, and we need to talk about this and let our elected officials hear our displeasure at what's going on here. So please take some time to research further and reach out to your elected officials and let them know how important these public lands are to you and that you are indeed concerned about the types of things that I just mentioned. And I just think we need not let this kind of information slip silently through the night. What you got, Scott? Oh, uh, gosh. I don't know. It's, there's no BLM land in Nebraska, um, but, and I know, I know it's fairly limited to Western states, but at the same time, it's a pretty huge portion of the, the public land that's accessible in the United States. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of a dream of mine to one day go on like a walk-in big game hunt on one of those places. So I certainly don't want them to go away. Plus, I mean, if, if something were to happen, I know it's a long, uh, basically slippery slope before they could start really taking away BLM land. But if that were to start happening, you know, if that degrades the industry of, of uh, outdoor sports and recreation, then that furthers the degradation of public land that I have. And then it would even erode into like people that have access private land if the industry is failing and going away then i mean it's it's going to disappear entirely from our society and obviously it's, that'd be a long ways off that'd be a worst case scenario but that is essentially a possibility that we'd be looking at if if you know we're able to start or if uh, the BLM is able to start liquidating their their land which is kind of seems like what the front office people are looking to do at this point, or at least the director, I, I guess probably most people in the organization do not feel that way, but the director. Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's a good clarifier there. Um, and you're talking about worst case scenario stuff. And this is, I think yeah. this is kind of how this stuff starts. You know, it doesn't, doesn't happen without these kinds of little nicks and cuts. So. All right. Well, shall we get onto the, uh, the YouTube countdown real quick? You want to head that one up for us, Scott? Can do. Um, I think I watched probably six or seven 
uh, different people's videos this week. So a lot of the Flyways Collective guys. Number three, I had Cherry Creek Outdoors. He's not part of them, but is with Elliot quite a bit. Uh, is that right? Is he with the Flyways Collective? He's not, right? No, yeah, no, he's not with the Flyways Collective, but yeah, he's... Uh... So yeah, Aiden had another uh, great show this week. Got him at number three. He captured the fun of an early early season teal hunt, and uh, you get to see how much chewing tobacco Ben actually shoves into his lips. Hey! Uh, <laughs> on the podcast, but if you hunt with him, man, he can... <laughs> Uh, number two, I've got Mid Valley Mercenaries. They wrap up a Nebraska trip with another four man limit. They did pretty well while they were here, uh, hunting with Matt Lee from High Prairie Sportsman. And Titus also talks about some of the local Nebraska delicacies. So that was fun to Runza. California Ooh. thoughts on those. What's that? Yeah, Runza. Yeah, big on Runza. That he ate a lot of Dairy Queen. Uh, in an earlier episode, it was funny because he was talking about Valentino's, the Grand Italian Buffet. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. Every time we go to Nebraska, we 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 get Valentinos. Yeah. The uh the top video I saw this week was freelance duck hunter Elliot Snyder showcases a different vantage point from the same hunt as Cherry Creek Outdoors video. Elliot takes the the top spot for showing off a hunt that involved a lot of moving parts. It included two different hunting groups, uh, different types of cover, a spot move. And then dealing with four different people all trying to make their own videos of the same hunt, which included you, Ben. Uh, so all I, all I wasn't making a video. Well, you and your camera, I count it. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Was it as fun as it looked? Oh, yeah, man. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It really was. Those guys are all really cool guys and great guys. Yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Uh, that'll be something that I do. I will always go to Kansas Steel Opener uh, with with that group. So, but yeah, well, thanks for that, man. Uh, I like if you guys like the YouTube countdown, let us know. I I personally very much like it. I I don't have a lot of time to watch YouTube videos. I have a lot of time to w- listen to podcasts, but um, it's nice for me now. I can you know kind of filter through this stuff. Um, yeah, but appreciate it. Uh, so let's get into, uh, you, the reason that you're on uh, that you, you know, we, we kind of brought you in, you felt pretty strongly about the foul front episode this week. That's correct. Right. I did. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Uh, yeah. So I, I talked to you and I said, this one, uh, I think deserves a little debrief. I know that you obviously abstained from putting yourself in your, uh, weekly countdown because you'd be pretty biased, but as somebody Outside of it, obviously, I'm your friend, but uh, I don't have a lot of real strong ties to how your podcast does. Um, I just thought it was a great episode and could use a little debriefing, a little more talking up uh, since it was so good. I, I usually, when I see a 90-minute timestamp on a podcast, I'm pretty leery of how much valuable information or entertainment is going to come from it. Uh, but I have to say, I was actually a little bummed when yours ended this week. You and Wayne Saunders, you really covered a lot of ground on this one. Andy did a great job of relating his topics to waterfowl experiences that he has. What do you think stuck out the most to you from the interview with him? Uh, what stuck out uh, most to me was his relationship with some of these poachers. I thought that was very strange um, that he would be like, oh, yeah, I really appreciate this guy for just, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I shot this deer. I was night hunting and then being like, oh, yeah, and then slapping his like, you know, you know I don't know the kind of that weird relationship. I thought that was super strange and I didn't think it wasn't something I expected. I I thought kind of the same thing, especially when I went back and listened to 
the full episode that he was kind of talking about in that story. I just I appreciated his storytelling ability. Anytime you asked him a question about his interactions with people or if you asked him for advice on how to have a positive interaction with a game warden, it was always answered with a story. That just made it it was very informative, but it also kept me really engaged with the conversation that you guys were having, which doesn't always happen. You know, a lot of times a podcast is almost kind of background noise and that was not the case here with this one. After it was over, I just immediately went and listened to his uh, second episode, the one that he was talking about with that night that you mentioned where he caught that night hunter. And uh, I was just, I was also interested to hear about the court proceedings that followed some of the water, waterfowl violations that you guys were talking about. Uh, it was great to hear kind of what the next step is after you violate one of those laws. So do you think you'll be uh, having Wayne Saunders back on the foul front? Oh man, if I'm if I'm lucky, I feel like uh I feel like the warden's watch is going to very, very quickly become uh much bigger than um a lot of the podcasts out there. I really do. Because Wayne's just a great storyteller. His content is endless. He has so much, so much content, um, not only from his own experiences, but just his connections with it, it's dude, it's like cops, man. I'm all sweaty after I listen to it, and uh, it's I really like it. It's yeah, one of my favorites. So, but yeah, so I guess I'm a total fanboy when it comes to the Warden's Watch. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Well, should we get into the countdown? Absolutely. All right, some honorable mentions this week. Uh, we got from the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. We've got the Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles with an episode about Navda Test and his first hunt. And some big news that you'll have to tune in uh, on the Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. Uh, next, we've got the Full Scale Outdoors podcast with competition caller David Goose. That's no joke. That's actually how you say his name. Um, then you've got the Tom Rowland podcast with Josh Thomas titled No Drama, Just uh, Adventure. And then the Farm Traveler podcast with Henry Gordon Smith, Agritexture. If you want to know what the heck that word means, it's quite interesting. Go check it out. Uh, next on the Waypoint Outdoors Collective, we've got the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, the MVM show, and the Foul Front. So, uh, Also from the Powderhook platform, we've got the On Gravel podcast and Hunting 101's Whitetail series. And then, as always, the Meat Eaters, Cal's Week in Review. Did you listen to uh, Cal's Week in Review this, this week? I did not. Yeah. you. You're kind of, this is kind of a bad week for you to be on the countdown, huh? What, what podcast did you? <laughs> what podcast did you listen to this week? I listened to yours, and I listened to the second episode of Wayne Saunders' The Warden's Watch. Man, it's good. You got to put some work in there. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's almost mind-blowing. Um, anyways, uh, coming in at number six, we've got the duck gun podcast, episode 114, Kansas teal trip, where we did a round table discussion with the girls, our wives, and it was actually pretty fun. And it might be informative if you're entering into a new relationship this season, or if this is the uh, first season that you and your significant other might, uh, you know, having be having to go through a waterfowl season. So I know that that's always a kind of a, Tense time at my household, not for any other reason other than it's just there's competing requirements and uh, priorities. And yeah, it's just you're never going to really get too past that. My wife's great, though, about it. But 
All right. Coming in at number five. I said that very obligatory in case she listens to this one. Uh, coming in at number five, we've got the Meat Eater podcast, episode 187, Tripping on Bear Schools. Talking about some interesting data about chronic wasting disease from Doug Duran. How Steve's brother, Matt, killed a bow with the aid of his pants button. And some discussion on the use of mountain bikes and motorized vehicles on public lands. Scott, how do you think uh, Steve's brother, Matt, Killed a deer with the aid of his pants button. Just want to just want to hear what what you think that means. What my guess would be, uh, I'm gonna say he got mid draw, couldn't draw any further because the deer was gonna see him and was able to hang the draw on his pants button, or at least attempted. Mm, that's weird. Uh, yeah. So if you wanna, yeah, yeah. So whatever you have in your mind. It's not what you think. You should definitely go check out this episode. All right, number four, we've got the uh, Cutting the Distance, episode number eight. This is a super informative uh, podcast by Remy Warren, and it's from the Meat Eater platform, and it's all about answering listener questions this week. I am kind of, you know, I got the last weekend of teal here uh, for me, and then it's a little, it's kind of, it's whitetail season for me for a couple weeks until Big Duck picked back up, you know? So uh, I'm kind of, you know, s- switching gears after this uh, this weekend, getting into – that's about the only whitetail hunting I'll do this year is between teal and big duck season. But you doing any whitetail hunting this year, Scott? Every year, rifle season. Just rifle season? Yeah. That's all. Yep. Yeah. I just – I don't really have a place to go do that. But so – all right. Coming in at number three, we've got The Warden's Watch, episode number 16 with Todd Sefcheck. A great discussion with host Wayne Saunders' friend uh, and longtime career kind of partner, Todd Sefcheck on The Game Warden Life. Uh, and like I said, this podcast, if you guys haven't uh, checked it out yet, definitely head on over there. Give it a listen. Uh, it's kind of like an audio version of, of Cops, like I said before, except for Game Wardens. He also actually, this was kind of an interesting podcast. In the last, I think, 20 or 30 minutes of it, uh, he was interviewing his friends kids about what it's like to be the kid of a game warden. And there's some surprising things in there that you may or may not suspect that, uh, about that kind of lifestyle. So it's good. All right. Number two, we've got the big honker podcast episode number 213 new waterfowl hunter, Jordan Malensky. Such an interesting conversation to hear Jeff and Andy who have like a combined years of 50 waterfowl hunting slash guiding experience. Uh, talk to Jordan, who this is his second season, and try and help him out. And I, I definitely give it a listen if you're a new hunter. And honestly, if you're if you're not a new hunter, check it out anyways because it'll make you appreciate what you got and uh, where you came from. So number two, the Big Honker Podcast, episode number two hundred and thirteen. All right, coming in at number one, the MVM Show, the Seven Deadly Myths of Waterfowl Hunting. Some great content from the MVM boys this week uh, where they cover and they give us their personal opinions on seven common myths that we've all heard about waterfowl hunting from an old article that they'd found. I, I can't remember the, can't remember where they found the article from, but uh, finally they've covered the spread. They are number one. Congrats guys. I know that this has been a lifelong dream for you guys. And uh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Oh man. I uh, I must have had my papers messed up. It looks like uh, there's another podcast here. Ah, dude. Ah, I really pulled a Steve Harvey on this one. I am so sorry, Titus and Thomas. 
you're actually this week's runner up. Um, I, I messed it. This is just super embarrassing. The, the real winner of this week's podcast review is the end of the line podcast episode number 406, the unmuzzled series with Lee Jose hosted by Rocky LaFleur and co-hosted by Jake Latondris talking about narratives, such an important topic to cover. And, uh, Lee Chose is one of the industry's staple photographers and storytellers. And he talks about how we combat the false narratives uh, that are destructive to our, our way of life, hunting, and waterfowl culture. And you've probably heard me talking a little bit about narratives uh, the last couple of days. And it's because it's just such a moving episode that will really bring some things into perspective. All right. This week's winner, End of the Line Podcast, episode number 406. The narrative creator. All right, Scott, which one of those are you going to go check out this week weekend? Uh, I looked earlier in the week, and I'm actually really excited to listen to the MVM show. Kind of pegged yeah. that one as one as I was going to catch up on over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, Titus and Thomas will be too mad about about this uh, this little mess up that I just had here? I I've heard a few of their. I don't know if it was in a podcast or a video, but I've definitely. Uh, seen them really coveting that number one spot so yeah they're gonna be pissed (laughs) well you know what i think uh next week um just to you know kind of help things out smooth things over i'm gonna let them do the podcast countdown because i'm gonna be out of town so um titus thomas if you're listening to this you better pick it up uh you guys have the podcast uh review episode next week so next thursday everybody go ahead and uh Tune into the MVM show on iTunes. Give a subscribe uh, and you can listen to this very same type of episode. Um, the MVM boys are going to help me out. Hopefully they don't hate me too much after that. So, all right. Well, Scott, should we uh, should we end this thing off with the scouting report? I got quite a few scouts uh, called in this, uh, this week and uh, just kind of looking forward to hearing what everybody has to say and um, – getting out there and hunting with my dad and my buddy and get on some teal. I know your dad's pretty excited. He was showing me the pictures of his kayak. So he's excited to test it out. Oh, my mom is pissed. Um, cause, uh, they had, you know, they got those two kayaks and, uh, she did not want him to paint it camouflage for some reason. I don't know what the deal was, but she was, she's a little upset that, uh, he painted that, uh, kayak camo. Yeah, he is a. We're gonna we're gonna put it to good use here in Nebraska too, though. So we'll uh, we'll at least help him get his use out of it for fighting the bullet on that one. Yeah, I told I told him he should just go paint hers too, so she doesn't feel left out. <laughs> but that wouldn't end well. Don't do that, Dad. All right, all right. Let's get into this week's scout report. And hey, Scott, thanks for thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I uh, was going crazy talking into Mike all by myself. We ran a little bit longer this week, so sorry, guys. Uh, Scott, what, do you want to leave anything for the, the listeners? Well, uh, if we do it again, we'll try to cut it down for you. Sorry. Yeah, oops. All right, here's here's the scouting report, guys. We'll, uh, I won't see you. I'll see you on Monday with a new episode we got coming out that you're going to really like. And then uh, Titus and Thomas, they'll get the, the review for next Thursday or next Friday, excuse me. And then uh, I'll be back Monday and uh, the following Friday. So, all right, guys. Uh, happy hunting. 
Hey guys, it's Chad with uh, Sky Panda Outdoors here in Central Kansas. Um, conditions are still tough, bird numbers are still low, but we do have a cold front hitting uh, the Dakotas, um, pushing daytime temps into the upper 40s, so we should see some new fresh birds um, just in time to close out teal season 2019. Um, locally, we've been seeing uh, some migrators finally start to show up. Uh, mostly big, big ducks in my area, um, but have seen a few teal on the shallow farm ponds um, that you find nestled in the Flint Hills. So uh, get out there, put on a good scout. If you can't find them, don't forget there is dove season and they have moved into the area in significant numbers. So good luck, guys. Take care. Be safe. Hello, Ben and Follow Front listeners. Brent Miller here in West Central Minnesota in the Moorhead area. Spent some time out last weekend, about 30 miles east of Moorhead. Warm temps and rain kept a lot of people at home, and there was an incredible lack of shooting. With a warm week this week and most of the birds not being scared away, plenty of the locals should be around. Friday and Sunday have forecasts for rain. Bring your rain gear if you plan to be out. And there is still a lot of water in the area. You can find these local birds on small sloughs away from the road. So you might have to strap up the boots and do a little walking. Good luck, everybody. This week's scouting report from South Central Kansas is virtually no birds. Uh, Central Kansas has seen an uptick in blue wings with Cheyenne Bottoms reporting somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000. But compared to normal numbers from this time of year would be in the tens of thousands. We're still not seeing much of anything. Scout went out today, saw a couple dozen blue wings, nothing much more. The High Plains states, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota have been getting cool fronts and north winds, but still nothing made it down this way. Hello, Ben and Follow Front listeners. Brent Miller here in West Central Minnesota in the Moorhead area. Spent some time out last weekend, about 30 miles east of Moorhead. Warm temps and rain kept a lot of people at home, and there was an incredible lack of shooting with a warm week this week and most of the birds not being scared away plenty of the locals should be around friday and sunday have forecasts for rain bring your rain gear if you plan to be out and there is still a lot of water in the area you can find these local birds on small sloughs away from the road so you might have to strap up the boots and do a little walking good luck everybody Hey, Foulfront Podcast listeners, my name is Theo Congdon, and I live in an area of Maine known as the Midcoast. Our south and coastal zone early regular season opens for 12 days on Tuesday, October 1st. In my area, our coves, mudflats, and salt marshes hold a very healthy local population of mallards, black ducks, and Canada geese. Over the last week, we have seen a slight increase as seasonal change pushes our wintering mallards and blacks out of Quebec and New Brunswick, Canada. Over the last six weeks, I have been scouting freshwater marshes and ponds. The smartweed and wild rice is plentiful this year, 
and has been supporting groups of blue-winged teal. Oaks have produced a fair amount of acorns, and I have spotted wood ducks hanging close to pond and stream banks feasting on them. Moderate temperatures with highs in the mid-60s and lows in the high 40s are forecasted to persist for the next 7 to 10 days. My tip would be, and what I'm going to do, is target teal and wood duck during the early season, because by the time the season starts up again in November, these species will be long gone. So here's wishing you a great hunt, and let's keep it safe out there. Thanks. Hey guys, this is Titus from the MVM Show podcast and Mid-Valley Mercenaries YouTube channel out here in California with another scouting report. Pretty pumped about this scouting report. This weekend, we're going to be hunting honkers out two places, in the river and also in a field Thomas got permission in. Um, That's a cornfield that's been dissed up with standing corn next to it, so we're pretty stoked. I think we'll do pretty good. I don't know about limits, but uh, I think we'll shoot a couple birds, so I'm pretty pumped about that. The other thing I'm stoked about is that the weather is finally changing. Fall is here. We're having a huge, huge Arctic front moving from all the way up in Canada all the way down here, actually to the southern part of California. Big-time temperature drops up to 20 degrees during the day. We're going to be having mid-70s for the high and down to low 50s, and we're still in September, so stoked about that. Definitely giving us hope for this season to get some cooler weather, some northerly winds, and get them birds moving down here. All right, guys, that's all I have. Shoot straight, and we'll see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.